You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome to Closing Night, a theater history podcast celebrating famous and forgotten Broadway shows that close too soon. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, and in the previous episode, we explored the infamous Broadway flop that was Nick and Nora. Well, throughout this season, I'm taking you further behind the scenes by sharing my conversations with these artists and creatives. You can hear from Richard Maltby Jr. on my other podcast, Why I'll Never Make It. Look for a link to that in the show notes. But here on Closing Night, you'll get my full Nick and Nora interview with Mark Hobie. Hi, I'm Mark Hobie. I'm actually originally from Freehold, New Jersey, one of the original Jersey Boys. I'm currently the producing artistic director at Paper Mill Playhouse, but earlier in my career, I was a dancer, performer on Broadway, and I performed in both Victor Victoria and Nick and Nora and held the same position on both. I was the swing and the dance captain. With his perspective as a producer now, you'll be hearing from Mark again when Closing Night explores Victor Victoria at the end of this season. But for now, he gives us more insight into the failings and missteps of Nick and Nora and why it never reached its full potential. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, thanks so much for doing this, Mark. Yes. <laughs> ah, I see you have your show posters up behind you. Oh, the one very infamous one. Right, exactly. Yeah, we'll be talking about it today, yeah. It's on this wall and on uh, the wall of shame at Joe Allen's. <laughs> and every time I go there, I request to sit under it because I've done a bunch of Broadway shows, national tours, Lincoln Center stuff, and it's the only show poster that has my name on it. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's in mouse type. Well, of course. Yeah, it's all on the it's bottom. there. Because <laughs> the entire company, it was not a big cast. Yeah, for a musical, that was a small cast. And I'm curious, did you or the cast have to watch or go through the Thin Man movies as part of your prep for this show? You know, um, I think everybody watched the Thin Man movies as we were headed into the production of it because, you know, that's the source material. And they're so so rich. Those films are so pithy and witty and funny and just a really classy, um, fun afternoon, you know, movie to watch. So I think we did that. We never did it as a group. And I actually joined the production late, just before the Broadway, um, the Broadway show went into rehearsal. They had done workshops and readings, but I wasn't involved in that at all. Um, when they were auditioning for the Broadway production, I went in to an EPA and, 
and Godcast um, as the swing and dance captain. Oh, nice, nice. And so did your dance captain duty start from day one with Tina Paul? Yes. And actually, um, it was Tina Paul. Um, Louis Perez was working with her at the time. And I really think that part of the reason I got into that show be- and in the position I did was because I had worked with Louis previously as a swing on Jerome Robbins Broadway. So I covered 20, 23 men in that show, and he knew I had the ability to document and you know jump in at a moment's notice. And also, interestingly, I had worked with Richard Malpe before, who was the lyricist, and he had directed a production of Baby in Chicago that I choreographed. So I was walking into an EPA. I would was never expecting to be cast in this production, but they needed a dance captain and a swing. And so I I earned that role. So yes, and there was a lot of dance in the show because the concept was that the characters of Nick and Nora were dancing sort of through their lives and they would solve these murders you know, as they went. So there was a good deal of choreography, a lot of it based in ballroom, um, which was a challenge. And um, yes, in fact, they started early rehearsals with Joanna Gleason and Barry Boswick that I did not attend. So on the first day of rehearsal, I was already feeling behind having to catch up. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, because you weren't with the previous workshops and everything. But they decided not to do an out of town. So, I mean, this was going to go right to Broadway. As a producer now, what what do you think of that choice? I think that was a bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. I, well, I'll, I think that, that okay, that there's always a challenge when you're putting up a brand new musical, right? If you've never seen it before an audience, you don't know how they're going to react. But they were very confident in this material. But the script kept evolving and getting rewritten kind of in some major ways. The workshop script and the script that we went into rehearsal with was very funny, but would not be considered at all PC in the current time. Definitely not current time now. But even current time then, it was pushing the boundaries of some stereotypes and Although that was funny, there was some reaction that some things needed to be corrected and cleaned up. In fact, um, the original actress uh, who played uh, the Spanish maid was Josie de Guzman. And she and Arthur were at, at odds about how the character was to be played. And he wanted it a kind of Charo Carmen Miranda, and she refused to do that. So she wound up getting fired. Um, she was fired when we were in previews, uh, um, which was interesting for me as the dance captain because I used to get the show started, then run across the street to the Lund Fontaine and rehearse her understudy and the understudy's replacement, and then go back to the show because we couldn't fire her until there was a new person ready to go. But that was one issue. But the other major issue was that the very first preview, here's another mistake, was an Actors Fund benefit performance. So it was the first preview, all full of industry people. And at the end of the show, um, it turns out that Christine Baranski was Faith Prince's, had murdered Faith Prince. And the reason she did it was because she was hiding a secret that she was having an affair with her um, Asian houseboy, who was Tom Sesmo. And she stepped out onto stage. And when they asked her, you know, why did you do it? And why would you do it for him? She sang this song called He Sees Me. And that first performance, it was like the producers. It was supposed to be a very serious moment. And the audience started to laugh and laughed and laughed and laughed. And you, I remember seeing the 
the cast on stage just horrified because it was not supposed to be funny. <laughs> and so, and that was the ending of the show. So you can imagine after your first preview, realizing the whole end of the show needs to be rewritten and rethought and refigured out. And so there was a lot of tumult. Wow. Yes. Yeah. And, and you said that that was its very first public performance. It's very yes. first preview. Was that very first preview sold out actors fun performance. Wow. Bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So was this laughter a, a kind of like, oh, we didn't mean it to be funny, but it turns out to be funny. Or were they laughing at the song? Yeah, they were laughing at it. It wasn't like we, we were with you. Oh, it was, okay. It was like, what is was, this travesty on stage? How it was kind of like, yeah, how uh, this is ridiculous. Oh um, so it was not a good laughter. It was kind of a horrific laughter. And then you can imagine what it's like for the cast because you can't write a new song and rewrite that section of the show. It takes a while. So every night, the company had to go on stage and do that, knowing that the audience was going to be, you know, sort of giggly, jaw dropping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was never quite as bad as that first audience because those were all theater insiders. But Everybody knew, okay, this has got to change. And then there was an opening number, not an opening, first number for uh, Christine Baranski um, was rewritten several times. And uh, could, again, the first one was kind of this tongue in cheek, um, really acerbic number. I thought it was great, but then they kept rewriting it, rewriting it, and rewriting it. Um, and then there was another flaw in the production, which was I think um, Barry Bostrick was a lovely man. I can't say enough good things about him sweetheart hard worker so talented but not a dancer they wanted the couple to dance and it was not a natural thing for him and it was very difficult for him to learn ballroom dance and act and sing at the same time and joanna and him together and the cast you know deborah monk and they were all great in the acting bit but anytime it got to a musical sequence a dance transition anything you could just see barry seize up and it just wasn't what Barry did. And they were asking him to do something that was not in his wheelhouse. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You had mentioned it being written and directed by Arthur Lawrence. What was it like working with him and Richard? What was that? Because there were there were the tensions between the two of them. Did that spill over to the cast as well? 
And Charles Strauss, too. Right. Charles Strauss was the composer. Yeah. At one point, Charles Strauss went MIA when we were in previews. Like for two weeks, nobody saw him. Nobody knew where he was. Um, he was supposed to be writing new music. We would, uh, no one knew where he was. Um, and Arthur was actually lovely to the company. He was very nurturing, loving. He loved this show. He loved this cast. He was really, really great in rehearsals. Um, you know, I'd heard some stories about him. I was young at the time, so I didn't even bear say anything, but you know, uh, I was surprised at, at how, how good he was and how he tried to help, you know, um, Barry and, and, and all of that. Um, but when things started to fall apart, it, uh, his other mean side came out and then there was tension there, you know, Richard and Charles, and he did not all get along. Um, and then there were these, tidbits, insider quips and stories that were showing up on page six. And um, we had this horrible meeting once where he called the company into the green room at the Mar at the Marquee Theater and we were all sitting there. We didn't know what it was. And the evil Arthur came out. And with Joanna Gleason and Barry and you know Deb Monk, Faith Prince, all of them in the front row, I was in the back him screaming at the company about there's a Judas among us and one of you is going to the press and telling, you know, inside family secrets and it's broadcast all and like ripped into the company. And that's where he lost them. Because I remember Joanna and Barry stood up and said, we won't be talked to like this. And they walked out. And um, from then there was kind of no saving the show. Well, what point was that in rehearsals or previews? No, we were in previews. Previous, okay. Part, part of the, I think we were in previews for like 10 weeks. Yeah, yeah it was 71. It, it, at least IVDB says 71 previews. So, yeah. Okay. So that's like 10 weeks. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was during the preview period because, and, and it was during tech period too, actually. It started earlier where like these little things kept showing up on, um, uh, in, on page six. We we're like, who knows that? And it turned out it was not anybody in the cast. I'm not going to say who it is, but it was no one in the cast. It, you know, everybody was working really, really hard. So, but yeah, there's so many people coming in and out, you know, PAs here and this person there and that designer there. Yeah. It, it can always be anybody. Yeah. Very true. So with those 71 previews, you said the show changed a lot by the time it did open. Do you think the best version was there? No, I actually personally think that they should have leaned into the other direction, made it more campy or something. Yes, yes, that was you know there were two flaws, um, you know there uh, that that rewriting to try to smooth over the non PC side of it, um, which just made it not funny. And I'm not saying that it should be funny at anyone's expense, but what they did was they instead of writing a different sense of humor, they just took out the humor. Um, and then uh, the other thing that was a real problem was. In the Thin Man movies, you never um, doubted Nick and Nora Charles's relationship. They were a loving couple, and you know, saw these things together. And you know, she was always the brains behind it, but made him look good. You know, I mean, they, they had this great working relationship and love relationship. And there was a uh, a more modern twist written in where they were having marital troubles. And so, not only were they trying to solve this murder, but they were also trying to repair their relationship. And I can't even remember what it was, but it introduced an element to the story that was incongruous with what everybody knew about the thin man. 
and just confused the whole um, situation. So it became, a, you know, a humorless, um, you know, not enjoyable <laughs> inter reinterpretation of what used to be these bubbly, fun little, you know, we're going to dance and drink champagne and solve murder. So, and I think certainly in trying to rewrite the script, they were trying to make things better, more, more palatable and uh, more respectful for the characters, you know, um, but it, they didn't have enough time to fix it. That's where I think going out of town, you know, you would have done a stop somewhere regionally and found all these problems and then taken a break and said, hey, we need to really relook at what, what this show is, what's working, how we tell the story. So it's funny, but doesn't offend anybody. It doesn't disparage anybody. Maybe the marrow problems come in. Maybe they don't, but let's look at it. And we have to fix the ending, obviously. Um, but, you know, we, I don't remember whose quote it is that you never get done rehearsing your show. You just run out of time and you open. That was absolutely the story with this because they were just bleeding money and they were like, we got to get this thing open. And so it opened and that was, uh, a, I'll never forget that. It, my parents came. It was my first, the first show that I was actually in the original cast on opening night. I was in Victor Victoria too, but that's another story I'll tell you later. I, I wasn't at the opening night. Um, but, uh, and we had the opening night party at Sardi's. And in those days, the New York Times was like right across the street and they, it came out on like 10, 15 or something. And by 1045, my parents and me were like one of the only people still one of the only people still sitting in Sardis. Everybody else had read the review and was gone. And we closed that weekend. It was just like So pretty much seven. As, as soon as the review came out, you knew or the cast knew it was done. I knew before that actually, because the other swing was a woman named Cindy Tolley, and we were very close. And we were in our opening night outfits and we um had done the the legacy robe ceremony backstage and then we ran out to the front of the marquee theater and you go through those glass doors down the steps into the back we didn't have seats we were just standing in the back and as we walked down those stairs liz mccann was lying kind of lounging back on the steps and i think she had either read the reviews or gotten tipped off talking about how we were sunk and we overheard them walking into the opening night performance and I was like, oh. but yeah, that's what happened. So I knew even before the curtain went up that I should start looking for another job. Right. That you were done. Now, did you ever go on and perform? Yes. Oh, I did. I went on in previews because I can't remember what I went out for, uh, I don't know if it was illness or one of the smaller roles I was on for a couple of shows. Yeah. Okay. So, so you at least got to do the show. <laughs> Oh, I have, listen, it was an amazing learning experience to sit out front and watch a show, um, uh, you know, for better or for worse, change, be rewritten, watch the audience reaction, you know, and you're working with Arthur Lawrence and Richard Maltby and Charles Strauss and, you know, and and that cast, Deborah Monk, you know, Faith Prince, Barry, Joanna, amazing people. So it was, uh, I was honored to be there. And it was an incredible learning experience, and I, I wouldn't give it up at all. And like I said, you know, the poster's right here on the wall behind me, a paper mill, and it it hangs in infamy at Joe Allen's on the wall with all the rest of the considered flops. And anytime I take anybody to Joe Allen's, I request that table, and I say, look, 
I made it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. Thank you so much for doing this. This I mean, you gave some great insights, so I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to this bonus interview episode with Mark Hobie. And be sure to check out my conversation with the Nick and Nora lyricist Richard Maltby on why I'll never make it. As always, thank you to my co-producer Dan Delgado as well as Maria Clara Ribeiro. Join us next time as we explore another Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, his very short-lived The Woman in White, as we follow its journey to closing night. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.